Hi there, Dr. B here with your Module 4 Clarifying Lecture. I'm sorry this is running late. Uh, this uh, weekend was quite the adventure for us and our family, so um, thank you for your patience. Wanted to talk about some of the announcements, talk about your inner teaching, and then answer some questions that you might have. There was a question about what is this cyber rat thing for? And um, if you see on the instructions, it'll tell you a little bit about this, um, but I'll reiterate it. Uh, the first and foremost reason that you're doing cyber rat is to get experience with basic research, rats in an operant chamber, and what they do, because that is really the sum and substance of behavior analysis. Um, there's nothing more instructive than watching a rat in an operant chamber. And secondly, it's about the experiments that you run. So, you know, what patterns are you seeing? You know, what does the rat do? What do they act like? All those types of things um, are very important as, um, as you go through your program. And I think uh, you're going to find that some of the stuff that you're learning in this class is really going to help you when you get when it comes time to write your programming. Make sure you are accessing the template. It's important that you answer the questions in the template. And then um, if you answer all those questions, you've done what you need to do. So the template is really your guide. The JAB article is to show you how these things are typically formatted and to give you an idea of what um, a JAB article would look like. But if you answer the questions in the um, template, you're going to be okay. Um, am I looking for a publication-ready JAB article? Of course not. Um, but I am looking for you to thoroughly answer the questions in the template. I did extend the lab report due date to the end of Module 8, so you now have two more weeks to do your lab report. Please do not procrastinate. This is so that you have um, extra time. And also remember that it's two to three references total, not per experiment. Okay, so you don't need um, 12 references. You need two to three references total. All right, so inner teaching. Let's talk a little bit about extinction versus punishment versus non-contingent reinforcement versus differential reinforcement. So let's start first about extinction. So extinction is when the response reinforcer relationship is terminated. Okay, so any response is no longer um, followed by a reinforcer. So reinforcement is terminated. And so remember that you can't unlearn a behavior. So there's no way to get rid of a behavior, none whatsoever, unless you know something organic happens, like you have a stroke or something like that. Um, but in typical circumstances, as um, Steve Hayes was saying in a seminar that I was watching today, you cannot unlearn a response. Once it's in your repertoire, it's there forever. It might be that it's not um, as easily recalled, but it will be there for the rest of time. So what extinction does is that it suppresses responding 
by breaking the response-reinforcer relationship by terminating those reinforcers. Now, there's lots of side effects to that. As we talked about, there's extinction bursts, there is resurgence, there is spontaneous recovery, there is induction, there's emotional behavior. And all of those things happen regardless of whether we think that that behavior is appropriate or inappropriate. So um, appropriate behavior can be placed on extinction. And all of the same um, laws of behavior happen there. So, for example, if you're talking about, um, you know, in a, a token system, let's say, and someone says, oh, they don't need it anymore. What are you going to see? Well, you're going to see an extinction burst. So that appropriate behavior is going to go up and then it's going to go down you're also going to see inductive responding. So you might see novel behavior that occurs as a result of those reinforcers being removed. And usually what this results in is people saying, look, I didn't have to do all this token system stuff anyway because look at how good they are. And then of course you get the crash and at that crash is when that response reinforcer relationship is completely terminated. Now you might see, you know, some resurgence, some spontaneous recovery. As we know, if that behavior is reinforced, it will continue. Um, but that is extinction bursts and any of these um, principles and philosophies are independent of whether it's appropriate or inappropriate. So what is non-contingent reinforcement? So non-contingent reinforcement is kind of more of what we talk about in the applied realm. That's what Tim Vollmer first called it um, back in the day. But if you're looking at this from a basic standpoint, you're talking about temporal relationships and temporal means time. So um, you're talking about reinforcement based upon the passage of time. Okay, so it's contingent upon time. It's not contingent upon a response. So 30 seconds goes by in a fixed temporal, um, that pellet ends up in the hopper. In a variable temporal, regardless of what the rat does, on an average of every 30 seconds or so, that pellet's in the hopper. Um, so it also is a way to break the response reinforcer relationship without so many of the side effects of extinction. Now, differential reinforcement, DRO, is a schedule. It's not an intervention. Okay, It's a schedule of reinforcement. And the difference between a, DR, a differential reinforcement schedule and an interval schedule is that in a differential reinforcement schedule, you have... Um, the rat has to engage in a particular behavior for a certain amount of time. Or um, you're reinforcing the absence of a response in DRO um, for a certain period of time. In interval schedules, it's different. Interval schedules reinforce the first response after passage of time. During that time, it doesn't matter what the rat does. Okay, so in a fixed interval, that rat can walk around, it can groom, it can press levers, whatever, um, and it doesn't matter. That first lever press after the passage of time 
is what's reinforced. Okay. It's really important that you understand, and I'm seeing a lot of people trying to fit a square peg in a round hole here. We are not talking about interventions. We're not talking about the child, the learner, any of that kind of stuff. So a lot of you are trying to fit this into, well, how do I use it? And what I want you to instead try to fit it into is, how does this fit in with the way the world works? Because these concepts and principles are not interventions. I'm subject to them. You're subject to them. Everybody is subject to them. Um, just about every vertebrate and invertebrate organism is subject to them. These are not interventions. So when you're answering questions, make sure that you're not trying to make these into interventions because that's not what they are. The one thing I did not see in your discussion of punishment was the idea of the habituation to punishment. This is an extremely important um, part of punishment. Now, you can have potentiation. Um, that's a little bit more rare. Habituation is usually much more, um, much more common. And habituation is a respondent learning. It's a Pavlovian type of learning um, where the, after a while, the magnitude of the punisher in order for it to be effective or its threshold, as we talked about thresholds, um, has, to, has to increase in order to elicit a response. So if a shock of, you know, if a mild shock was a punisher in the beginning, after a while, that shock has to get stronger and stronger and stronger for it to be effective as a punisher in the end. Okay, so that's really important. Um, and let's talk a little bit about Sidman avoidance. So you're going to be learning more about Sidman and his take on negative reinforcement, escape, avoidance in 623 when you read um, the book Coercion and its Fallout. But basically, this is what Sidman avoidance is. A shock is presented in the chamber at specific intervals. And the rat can respond to delay the shock, but there's no SD that signals that that shock, that, that response will delay the shock. Okay, so the shock is presented. No SD, just being shock, shock, shock. If the rat presses the lever, they can delay the shock. But if they, um, but there's no SD that um, signals that that shock, that, that pressing the lever will delay the shock. So if you will, the rat um, happens upon it. Ironically, this was studied in literature by a guy named Anger, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so, um, and um, so you'll learn more about, um, about Sidman avoidance later on. But some of his suggestions are um, Sidman avoidance is why we don't lose weight, why we don't quit smoking, why we don't um, quit drinking, why we're in debt. Um, of course, there's a lot of reinforcement at play there too, but um, 
Sigmund avoidance is really all about that. All right, so um, it, let's answer some of your questions. Could you please elaborate more about the ambiguity between negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement discussed in Catania chapter 10? It's actually the ambiguity between negative reinforcement and punishment um, because one needs to be working in concert with the other. So negative reinforcement is essentially the avoidance of punishment. So a behavior, in order for negative reinforcement to be effective, at one point, some response was punished. That, so that response was punished, and an alternative response took over and was negatively reinforced. So you could say it's circular reasoning in some ways, and that's why Catania talks about this being kind of ambiguous. How should we study for the final exam? Um, the Quizlets should all be correct at this point. They should be updated. I met with the designer last week and um, we spent a lot of time to make sure that um, everything's updated. So I would study the Quizlets. Is there somewhere in CyberRat where it gives details such as species and age about your rat? I'm not seeing anything. Um, you should be able to click on your rat on the main page and at the very top of that lab report should tell you all about your rat. So it should be all the way at the top if you scroll up um, and you click on your rat on the main page, it should tell you all that kind of stuff. Can you explain more about generalization and induction? And could you give an applied example of induction? Um, again, I'm going to do an applied example, but remember these aren't interventions, okay? So generalization is the diffusion of a contingency. So um, in, the, in the applied realm, what that would be is it's the same response um, emitted over environments, emitted over change agents, emitted over um, time, although time is a little bit more maintenance. So generalization is that the response is emitted over a variety of SDs. So um, you're, you might call that um, stimulus generalization is sometimes the way it's talked about in the applied liter literature. Induction is sometimes talked about in the applied literature as response generalization. So same SD, different responses. So for example, um, kids taught to say hello, and they say, hey, what's up? How are ya? What's going on? Different responses to the same SD. So generalization is same response to different SDs, induction, is different responses to the same SD. Okay? They're the inverse of each other. In thinking of punishment procedures, this is a really interesting question. Could you clarify a side effect considered masochism versus a side effect of a person seeking a punisher as a way to a reinforcer? Um, two examples, child throws food and gets reprimand. Reprimand being punisher turned reinforcer. 
A child throws food, receives reprimand with prompt to say all done. Child receives reinforcement for saying all done. In the future, child always throws food first, always complies when it's said all done, and always receives reinforcement for saying it. Okay, so I'm going to clean up the language a little bit here on this. Um, remember, you cannot seek a punisher. You can't seek a reinforcer. That is explanatory fiction. Um, so masochism, that's kind of an, it's kind of mentalistic um, in that um, masochism implies an intent. And um, we cannot very well um, work with intent in behavior analysis. Um, so I'd probably not use that term, but I think I know where you're coming here. Um, the reprimand in your example is not a punisher turned to reinforcer. Okay. The reprimand, if the behavior never decreased, then the reprimand never served as a punisher. It was just something that was considered aversive. So um, reprimands don't necessarily have to be aversive. They could be reinforcers. Um, and they could, yeah, if, if the reprimand is increasing responding, it's a reinforcer. So it's not necessarily a transformation of punishment to reinforcer. Um, you could have something like, um, someone who, um, so typically physical pain is considered an unconditioned punisher. However, for some people who, you know, work out, um, to the point of, you know, throwing up or, um, engage in, you know, extreme sports and get injured a lot, or even people who um, engage in um, some specific types of uh, sexual behavior that involve injury. Um, there can be a respondent conditioning that happens where a previously unconditioned punisher becomes a conditioned reinforcer because it's paired with reinforcers. So along with pain, um, let's say in the case of a, you know, a mud run or something like that, yeah, you know, you get all scratched up, you can turn an ankle, but you're also with your friends. You're also, there's also some automatic reinforcement going on there, um, like in a adrenaline rush, and there's always that metal at the end. Um, so those things can be paired up with pain and then pain can be part of the reinforcement class there. Um, in the example that you give, I don't think reprimand was ever a punisher. I think reprimands always served as a reinforcer. And then your second part about the throwing and then saying all done is actually a chain. It's a chained response. So um, what happens is, is that those chains go together. So throw food, all done, is actually a chain that works together. So it's not that they're two separate contingencies. There's actually one contingency happening there. Hopefully that um, explains it a little bit better. 
All right, that's, uh, that's it for me. Thank you so much for watching and we'll talk to you soon.